0: many, many words for snow. Here in the South, we have only one word for snow. We may say it's slushy or something, but it's just snow. And in the South, we also, in spite of the fact this is where slavery took place, we only have one word for slave. So if you only have one word for slave and another culture has 37 words for slave that show distinctions about sex, race, age, and economic status, it tells me you have a lot to do with slaves.
1: Yes, for sure, Dr. Warner, do you believe I mean uh, you certainly haven't spoken to every Muslim in the world, but just based on uh, <laughs> based on your experience how do Muslims get around these sorts of issues that you find popping up uh, within Islam? Um, we had a show earlier earlier today where We were speaking about women in Islam and some of the troubling passages that are uh, ignored and for good reason because they're so detrimental. How do Muslims get around the Quran, the Hadith, the Sunnah, how do they get around the uh, very damaging uh, aspects of Islam as that relates to slavery and the practice
0: thereof? One word, denial. And they do this in two ways. They either, my experience with Muslims is is that they don't know much about the doctrine of Islam. And that's not an insult. One of the rules of the Sharia is, which also comes, I think, from the Quran is, a Muslim is not to ask difficult questions. Really. Because I was trained as a scientist to ask the most difficult questions possible. So not asking questions is a form of denial. It means we don't talk about that. And so that's what I find that most Muslims do about things like slavery is they simply don't talk about it. And if you bring it up, they go, oh, that's not real, or that's not in there. Uh, That's, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten that response to, well, that's not in the Quran, or that's, when you've just read it and you know it is. What's amazing is you can go further and insist that it is, and they still will deny it. So, but if you point it out, they'll try to say, oh, that was then and this is now, because Islam, not only did we treat our slaves better than anyone ever did, but we don't even have them anymore. So they, they do with the slavery what they do with other aspects of Islam they don't want to deal with, they simply say, it didn't happen, or those were special times then, and we don't do that now.
1: Right, right. And, and you know, Dr. Werner, I think a case can be made for uh, the Arabic speaking people in the world um, not necessarily knowing about these things because uh, if all they have is an Arabic text and they don't know Arabic then uh, by definition they won't be able to understand or even know what's contained in those texts. But certainly when it comes to uh, English speaking people who willfully decide to uh, convert into Islam Um, What is the attraction of converting into Islam as an English-speaking person if an English-speaking person has access to the text that Ah. damn the religion itself?
0: Well, there's two answers to this question. Number one, most English speakers are converted to Islam depending on their race and their sex. For instance, a black man is told, Islam is the religion of an African. Christianity is a religion of a white man. Mm. So that's one of the things that's said. The other thing is this. <clears throat> the Islamic texts are made deliberately hard to understand. Okay? When you look at the Sira, it's a seven to 800 page document, depending on how you want to count the pages, and we won't deal with that now, of some of the most difficult English language writing I've ever read. Okay. It, it, it was extraordinarily difficult. Translation, most Muslims are not going to pick up the sirah and read it. Then you have the hadith. Well, there's all these different collections, but Bukhari has 7,000 hadith. I'm the only person I've ever met who can claim to have read them. I mean, how many people are going to sit down and read a stack of paper that thick? They're simply not going to do it. So the doctrine itself is made deliberately difficult. It's made to obscure its meaning. It's also meant so that you have to go to the imam to ask your questions. Now then the imam has a job. So this is part of what happens. But one of the, I've done some thinking about this, and depends on who you are. If you're a white woman or a black woman, one of the advantages of becoming a Muslim is you can get a husband just by asking for one. Now, in the black community this is very difficult, and I'm not breaking any news here, the average family, black family does not have a father at home and there's not a married man involved.
1: Dr. Warren, I'm going to ask you to go uh, back to this point. This is so interesting to me. Um, So you said that um, for a white person or a black person, woman who uh, converts into Islam, they can get a husband just by asking?
0: By asking here, I mean just letting it be known that they want one, okay? Okay. Because one of the things, and by the way, One of the virtues, there are virtues to Islam is is its pride of family, its place on how important a man is supposed to be a father, a man is supposed to be a husband, a woman is supposed to be married. Right. So, look, as you can tell if you're looking at the screen, I'm a white guy. This means, guess what, I know a lot of white women. And one of the things that happens as they get into their 30s and 40s, they start going, I want to marry, I want a husband, I want kids, I want family. And yet what they're dealing with are other men who are more interested in just having fun, and they don't want the pleasures and burden of having a family. So this is one of the reasons that, uh, to marry. If you're, and now then there, for the men, there's another advantage here. I haven't, this is not a lecture I give, but I mean, I'm just thinking about it. One of the, one of the things that's happened to Christianity is that it, yield, it functions mostly on compassion and not courage. That is, it could be said that modern Christianity has become feminized. Now, if you want a chest-thumping kind of manly religion, Islam is the religion for you. I mean, they're born fighters. So I'm just trying to, because I too have asked this question. How and why would you want to convert to Islam? There's another reason you want to convert to Islam. All of the answers are simple. All you have to do is you do your prayers, you do the five pillars, you're good to go. There's not a lot of complicated thinking that has to happen. So there are people who are very attracted to the idea of leading a life in which you don't have to ask a lot of questions. If you want to know what food to eat, you ask somebody who knows the Sharia. All your, you have very simple questions and very simple answers. And this is attractive to many people because a lot of people don't want the freedom of, because they find it burdensome to try to figure all these things out themselves. So okay. those are some of the reasons that I've thought about and see that, or why people uh, react positively to the call of Islam. And there's another reason. <laughs> Muslims have a sophisticated process of converting people called Dawah. Okay? If you're a Christian, they're going to approach you as a Christian in one way. If you're a Jew, they'll approach you another way. If you're an atheist, another way. If you're a Hindu, another way. That is, there is what they call the science of Dawah. They study how to convert, and they take it very seriously. Unfortunately, since the Christian minister doesn't know enough about dawah to warn his parishioners, this is how the dawah works. When the Christian, who is, say, very mildly Christian or barely Christian, runs into a Muslim, they're entering a process of marketing, which is well-established, and they don't know what's going on. So they're easily led astray
1: okay uh, thank you for that I do have a follow-up question uh, for you dr. Warner but at this time we're going to take a caller we have Mazen on the line are you there Mazen
2: yeah hi hi Diana. how are you
1: I am doing well how are you doing this evening
2: yeah fine, thank you Fine. Thank you. What, what a nice and uh, beautiful actually a debate and uh, Uh, May I give thanks to Dr. Bill for all his research uh, for the Islam and uh, what's happening in the the world these days? Uh, Actually, it is very, very important uh, that he he spent a lot of time uh, to study this case. It is uh, huge. Uh, It will affect, I think, nations, and it will affect many, many people, billions of people, as we are in the end of the time. And oh. uh, may I give, uh, w- yeah, I, I'll give one question probably to Dr. Bill, um, and uh, probably uh, it is very interesting. I will tell him what's going on uh, in the Middle East in these days. Um, you know, last, say, uh, 10 years, Many, many wars happen in the Middle East, as you know, in Iraq, in Syria, Libya, all these countries. And uh, so many refugees, actually, so many, many people, um, they send them out of their villages and uh, their businesses. And, uh, they, and they, they destroy, actually, the schools, hospitals, everything. And one of the uh, things which is very, very interesting, I will Dr. Bill, that uh, recently, uh, the uh, government which is in Saudi Arabia, uh, instead of sending uh, food or clothes to the people which they are the refugee from the Syrian crisis, uh, they actually, uh, they announced uh, after these refugees will go to, uh, uh, we, uh, to the Western Europe, which is to Germany and the other, they said they will send money to build 200 mosques in Germany hmm. for the new refugees. So this means, instead of sending the money uh, to these refugees while they were in Turkey or in Syria as a food or clothes or whatever, they didn't send it, but but they wait until these refugees they are starving, and then after that, when they went to Europe, they decide to build mosques there, because there is a freedom in these countries, while in, it is forbidden to build churches, actually, in Saudi Arabia. Now, this is very, actually, very interesting, and is very politic turnover in the history, because millions of the Muslim people, they are going to the West, and then uh, there will be a system to uh, uh, um, changing their mind and their belief to accept Islam as the main thing. At the same time, many of these are young boys, so there is uh, an idea in their mind, they will get uh, involved in uh, 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 sex, sex with the girls, which is in the West, and then they think the next generation we, all will be Islam in all Europe, and these you can see it now. Actually, is showing in the internet as a messages. They are sending these messages to the young generation in the Middle East to go to Europe, and then, uh, and then after that, uh, this will be happen that to change, as a systematically change, the people in Europe from the Christian belief to the Islamic belief. Now, I want to ask Dr. Bill what's his opinion because this has never happened in the history, uh, at least last, say, 500 years. Uh, It seems to be that because the Christian people also they are not uh, returning, reading the Bible uh, knowing more about Christianity, uh, uh, reading uh, the Word of God. That's why uh, this wave of the Islam is going everywhere, going in America, Australia, Canada, and in Europe. And uh, I want to ask him what his personal belief is, his, what is the connection between the end of the time and what's going on? And shouldn't be the Christian people wake up from their sleep and returning to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, uh, reading the Bible daily and praying, because it seems to be uh, we are going in the dark days uh, uh, soon. It is a hard time it will be happening all over the world. And uh, thank you very much uh, for Dr. Bill. It's, uh, you got a wonderful research everywhere. Uh, and uh, and uh, I pray for you that uh, may our Lord will give you more strength So that you can uh, show the real Christianity everywhere. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Mazin. Thank you so much for your question, for your comments. Uh, I'm going to ask Dr. Bill Warner to respond to your question, but we will do uh, that right after this break. ABN viewers. To watch free reruns of our marathon shows, apologetic shows, and English programs, go to www.youtube.com and type Trinity Channel. Here at ABN, we make it easier for viewers like you to watch programs. For more information, call us at 248-416-1300.
3: ABN and Trinity channel invites you to watch a special live debate Ijazi Ahmed versus Dr. Tony Costa the topic will be was Jesus the son of God or only the prophet of God the debate will be held October 9th 2015 7 p.m. Eastern 12 a.m. Greenwich and 9 a.m. Australian watch us live on ABN and Trinity channel or visit our websites, trinitychannel.com and abnsat.com. Or for more information, call us at one of the numbers
4: on your screen.
1: Coming soon, the fifth International Apologetics Week, starting November 9th, 2015. We'll broadcast through internet, satellites, and through antenna network televisions. Three shows per day, over 40 world-renowned apologists. Titles of the shows, The Deity of Christ, Biblical Doctrine, World Religions and Heresies, Science and Creation, Politics, Atheism, Islam, and more. Fifth International Apologetics Week, starting November 9th. Three shows per day, where? TrinityChannel.com. Click and watch live. For more information, call the numbers on the screen.
4: David Wood with the Trinity Channel. After a terrorist attack, if you turn on CNN, what do you hear? Lies. After a suicide bombing, you turn on the BBC, what do you hear? Lies. What do you hear from Al Jazeera? What do you hear from the New York Times or politicians? Lies, lies, lies. I work with the Trinity Channel because this is one of the only networks in the world that's telling the truth about jihad and its origins. But we'd like to reach more people. We're already expanding into Europe and to countries around the world. But the equipment is outdated in order to continue. In order to continue broadcasting, we invite you uh, to support us by prayers, by sharing with your friends, by passing on the word of the programs, and, if you can, financially. The money will be put to good use, I assure you, the people here work day and night bringing the truth around the world so please partner with us and be sure to visit us at www.trinitychannel.com
1: Hello, welcome back to ABN. Uh, our special guest tonight is Dr. Bill Warner, and the topic of tonight's show is Islamic slavery. Right before the break, we had uh, a question from Mazen, and I want to give you the opportunity, Dr. Warner, to respond. Did you hear uh, Mazen at all?
0: I did, but I think we should st- he said a great deal. <laughs> Let's make sure that we understand exactly what the question was at the very end. Repeat it to
1: me. Sure. Well, uh, the main point of his question was to get your thoughts on uh, the following. As a result of all of the wars in the Middle East, a lot of people were displaced, Um, men, women, families were displaced. And uh, particularly in Saudi Arabia, uh, Mazen was commenting that instead of the government assisting those ha- oh, who yes. had been uh, displaced in Saudi Arabia, uh, they were sent to the West, they were sent to Europe. And once in Europe, they were sent money by the government to help to build mosques uh, in Europe. And so Mazin was saying um, that that's what happened and he wanted your thoughts on it as well. And uh, he and he also said, in, uh, this is part two, he also mentioned that uh, those who migrated to Europe, they were encouraged to um, have sex and, and build families with uh, European women, and in so doing, spread Islam that way. Uh, can you comment on both of those uh, issues?
0: Yes, I can. Uh, there was, as I told you, if you study Islam long enough, you become, in a strange way, an admirer of some of its approaches to life. And one of those is, and we and I talked about this yesterday, is their concept of civilizational war. Hmm. There is nothing in civilization that Islam does not use to advance its cause. And here we see the process of pushing immigrants into Europe where they will do several things. Number one, contrary to what Merkel says, these are not people who are going to be contributing a lot to the economies of Germany or any other country. Our experience with such people is, in Europe at least, is as the years go on, over half of them stay on welfare. Does welfare strengthen a state or weaken it? Well, it weakens it because it's having to take money from productive people and give it to people who are not productive. So this is a shrewd form of war. And indeed, it's a form of war that has a name called hijra. That is, it is jihad through immigration. Now, immigration is so important that the Islamic calendar does not begin with the Quran, does not begin with Muhammad's birth, it begins with his immigration. And why? Because his migration from Mecca to Medina marked the beginning of success, okay? So, immigration is, is, brings jihad to the countries that it visits, and that's what will happen in Europe. Now, the problem with all of this is, is that we do not know anything about Islam. And the reason we don't know anything about Islam is we refuse to study it. And here in Nashville, Tennessee, we went over this yesterday, you will look in vain to find churches who know anything about Islam, but what's even worse, you'll look in vain for churches that support persecuted Christians. So, what the Muslims are doing here is brilliant. And by the way, these are not truly Migrants on the in the usual sense of the word everyone remarks on the fact that they're young men They're fighting age men now then one of two things will happen Either they will marry a German woman or a Czech woman and settle in to make a family and of course the children will be Muslim or They will send for their family back home because we have sort of an anchor baby concept here Well, if you're if you're here then you need to bring in your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your cousins. So for every one of these men, we have many more Muslims who are coming. All of this reminds me of a technique that Genghis Khan used, which was when he conquered one city, he drove the losers in that city in front of him and then stopped when they're at the wall of his next city he was going to capture the, my, these people who are, are now migrants, pound on the walls of the town and say let us in and save us. So people being human beings, bring them in. Well now then what do you have? You now have a city whose food is going to be put under a state of siege and its food and water are limited. So therefore, the driving the migrants into the city means it's easier to collapse the city. And some form of that reasoning is what is going on here. But the problem is not Islam. The problem is our politicians, our preachers and ministers and pastors, our educators, all of these people are willfully in a state of denial about the true nature of Islam because they don't want to deal with the consequences because there's a new religion in town that's called multiculturalism and political correctness. And it is politically incorrect to talk about this problem. Trust me, I know. People never argue with me about my reasoning. They always say, oh, you're a bigot, you're a hater, you're an Islamophobe, you're a racist, whatever. And so I may go, whatever, because I'm an old man and don't care anymore what people say about me, but most people care enormously. Most ministers care enormously what people say about them. Politicians care enormously what people say about them. And so therefore they won't address this issue. So we are the problem. It's not that Islam is a winner, it's that we are losers. Now, I know when I say this, this may go against the grain a little bit, but we are the problem because if we had a nation that was well-educated about all this, first off, they would say, send us the Christian migrants. Why don't we do that? Why can't America stand up and say, send us the Christians? I mean, it's so simple to say, but why don't we say that? Because politicians have to say it, and the ministers... The clergy and the Christians don't pressure their representative, their congressmen, their senators to do this. And so the politicians go, well, if I talk about this, I'll be a racist. My voters, supporters won't talk about it, so therefore we continue in silence, we continue in the commission of evil.
1: Got you. Thank you for that answer. And by the Dr. way, Dr. D-
0: sure, doesn't, go it ahead. Re- doesn't it surely reveal all of Islam's face when not only Will they not even take these migrants into their countries, these Muslim nations? But then when they go to Europe, they could say, oh, look, we took them, we'll support you. Instead, all they do is build a mosque. But what is a mosque? It's an outpost of Islam dedicated to jihad against the kafir.
1: Mm, That's interesting. Um, Dr. Warner, we have another caller on the line. Adil, are you on the line?
5: Sister Diana and uh, Dr. Bill. Uh, God bless you, and the Lord be with you at all times. I, I have a few questions, if you allow me.
1: Sure, go ahead.
5: Okay, um, well, first on slavery, I, I know that uh, all Muslims are the same, and they're all slaves for a false prophet. And of course, their God is not our God, so that's number one. And I thank God for, uh, having Dr. Bell, I, 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 uh, Lately, I found somebody who can, I can relate to speaking their mind and don't fear. So I appreciate it. And I hope Ebn will have him more often. And uh, questions are uh, for all the killing in the, in the Middle East uh, by the name of Islam, isn't there a way that we can take the Koran to court to the, uh, you know, to uh, a national court, a world court, any court that can judge them? and judge that uh, book and see if it is usable or not and if the, all the killing is coming from it or it is not. And secondly, uh, in Islam, I don't understand another thing, which is if Muhammad was a prophet, how come his God didn't know that his name was not Muhammad when he was born? Third is I compare uh, Islam and the killing that is happening to Hitler and Daniel so is, is there a comparison? Am I right on that? Uh, I know Hitler said a comment which he said that I prefer if there was Islam on Earth than Christianity because it, it really he belongs there. And um, the other question I have is uh, is Muhammad to the Muslims better than God? You know, the thing they say, if you curse at God, it's okay if you repent. But if you curse at Muhammad, you will die anyway. Even if you repent, it does not really matter. They will kill you anyway. So uh, another question was, they always say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which I I, I ignore that and I I hate it. Uh, The thing is, God is praying to who? That's what I want to know. Whom God is praying for uh, to bless Muhammad? And when Muhammad went to see God with Gabriel or whatever they call him, uh, you know, he was praying. And I hope any comment from Dr. Bell on these. And um, how can Muslims in country that doesn't speak Arabic, you know, they only follow the words by hand, by finger. And they tell you that we believe. I don't know, is that uh, you know our problem that we don't teach them uh, the truth? We're not getting to them? Or uh, what are we supposed to do? I thank you very much and God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Bell.
1: Thank you so much for your questions, Adil. You can go ahead, Dr. Warner.
0: If I can remember them all. He didn't ask a question, I think he asked about 12. <laughs> 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 Let's... Let's deal with the ones I can remember. Sure. Is Muhammad greater than God? You know, a case can be made that Muhammad is greater than God, uh, because what he says is true is that, you know, let's talk about humor. I was raised in the South, and one of the things about going from being a boy, boy to a man was is that you could take a joke. You could be ribbed, you could be satirized, and you could laugh at yourself, all right? That is, I find that what people use as humor is a measure of who they are as human beings and a measure, and a manner of well-being. If I tell a joke about you and you get angry, there's something perhaps a little wrong within your own nature. So let's use humor as a measure of human beings. It is true that there are a few jokes about Allah, but in all of Islamic history, there are no jokes about Muhammad. So... We can see that Muhammad is more revered in a strange way than Allah is. Now, there's another thing to think about here. If we take the Sunnah of Muhammad and we weigh it against the Quran, we find that there's six times as much material given to the Sunnah of Muhammad than there is for Allah. Or as I like to say it, Allah is 86% Muhammad and 14% Allah. So there is some idea that Muhammad is more important than Allah. Here's the other thing. How to pray and all the business of how to be a Muslim is found in the hadith, not in the Quran. So an argument could be made again that Muhammad is greater than Allah. As a matter of fact, it used to be that we did not call Muslims Muslims. The original name for Muslims, and you find this in older books, is Muhammadan. Now, when you say that to a Muslim, they go, oh no, 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 we're not Muhammadans, we don't worship Muhammad. No, 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 no. That doesn't mean you worship Muhammad. I'm a Tennessean. That doesn't mean I worship Tennessee. What it means is is that Muslims worship exactly in the same manner that Muhammad uh, worshipped. I'm looking at my notes here. He compared uh, the Islam to Nazism. Uh, The the, the thing that they say today in Europe, I, I go to Central Europe because I have an organization there. I do that about twice a year. Is that they say that Islam is communism with a God. And there's truth to that. It's communism with a god. And by the way, in Central Europe, they're very different from Western Europe. They have much less tolerance for the doctrine of Islam in Central Europe than Western Europe because they spent years under the boot heel of the communists. So it's only logical they would see it that way. Now then, uh, I'm trying to look at my notes here and discover what else he said. Uh, but I made a note here. Oh, taking the Quran and suing the, about the Quran in court. Yes. That is. Persecuting the Quran is hate literature. Well, this could be done. But let me tell you something that I've learned about politics. Judges do not enforce laws, except the ones they want to. No judge would ever step out in front of this and try to deal with it. But we need to know this. In India, there was, in the city of Calcutta, there was a petition made to the Supreme Court to weigh judgment against the Quran as being a book of hate. There's a book written on this called the Quran, is the Calcutta Quran Petition. So this has been done before and there is merit to this. Part of the merit would be is it would cause people to stop and analyze the Quran. I find that none of those people who support Islam, I call them apologists for Islam, that none of them know anything about Islam at all. They've been approached by a Muslim who's a nice person and yes, there are many nice Muslims, but they do not know what Islam is and so therefore a lawsuit about the Quran would cause it to be discussed not in the court of law but in the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need it because what is happening in our civilization today is is those who are supposed to protect us, educators, police, military, they're not doing the job. The reason that, by the way I'm going to pause right here and say David Wood was on before this break uh, talking about The virtues of ABN and I want to repeat what he said. One of the virtues of what we're doing right now is that this can be done. There's no television station anywhere in Tennessee that you can do this conversation we're on. So David Wood is right. ABN is unique. ABN is special. ABN is the only court of reason that we have on the subject of Islam. And by the way I think David Wood is a fantastic person. Uh, Just a personal side there. So Yes, I think that it would be interesting to sue in a court of law, the Quran, being hate speech. And I don't compare Islam to Nazis, but I compare them to communists with a god. And yes, we can construct an argument which says that Muhammad is more important than Allah. And oh, the last thing was, he says, how do people become, you know, one of the things people say, about him, well, you don't read Arabic, you don't understand Arabic, I don't need to. All of this material has been translated into English long, long ago. And most Arabs, I mean, most Muslims do not at all read Arabic. Now, here's the worst news. Most Arabs can't read the Quran because the average Arab is illiterate, and his wife almost certainly is. So you don't have to have the knowledge of the Quran to be a Muslim. That'd be a silly argument anyway. If the Quran is supposed to be a universal document, shouldn't it be able to be understood by all people? So I think I've answered all of his questions, Diana, but if I didn't, tell me the one I missed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you've got all the ones that I wrote down, certainly, uh, but we can go ahead and take the next call, Dr. Warner. We have George on the line. Are you there, George? Hello? Hello. Hi, George. Welcome to ABN. How are you?
3: Hi. Nice to talk to you again. Um, I'd love to meet you guys again, and uh, I'm really excited about this new educational. Uh, but... Um, let me engage with Dr. Warren with a question followed by my thought later, I guess engaging of what he thinks about it. Sure. When I, so, Dr. Warren, could you hear me?
0: Yes, I hear you.
3: Okay. I talked to American uh, friends from the church, whatever, and uh, it seemed to be, to me, is people do not exactly what we are talking about. But the question follow that, uh, they don't know what to do. What the, what they gonna do? Because uh, people have family. They know how. It's very dangerous if you go to the mosque and you're gonna talk about this Islam. So and uh, somebody expresses to me, "Are you gonna be dying But if you go to the mosque and uh, talk about this?" said, "You know what this violence is, I do."
0: Okay, I'm listening. We can hear you, George. Uh-
3: yeah, because I, I didn't hear uh, the echo from your side, so I thought it's being disconnected.
1: No, nope, we still got you here. You can go on.
3: Okay. So the the, the question to you, Doctor Warren, do you think the majority of American or the uh, Western, uh, they know exactly what it is, but uh, they got like a uh, paralyzed of a uh, truth, and they don't wanna deal with this heat because it's scary, and uh, the churches mostly they are silent that people they try to engage on this to see what they're going to do.
1: Thank you. Did you you hear his question, Dr. Warner?
0: Would you rephrase it for me?
1: Yeah, I believe he's just referencing the amount of fear that Muslims have in speaking about these things. Uh, uh, He mentioned that they can't talk about these things in the mosque because there would be repercussions for doing that. And so um, he just asked a really good question about what can be done.
3: Um, okay. uh, could I correct it a little bit? It's, it's, it's really deviated from what I did ask.
1: Sure, go ahead, go ahead.
3: I'm, I'm talking about the American themselves, the Western uh, people. Okay. Uh, those American people, they know how darkness is, Because they watch the news, and I talk to people, and they uh, share their knowledge. Uh, But for them, in their mind, there is no any solution. And they keep it for Allah and their God, and they pray for it. But uh, action, it's it's kind of um, dilemma here, what we can do. The answer is nothing. Is that true?
0: Okay. I think the answer is not true. I think the answer is there's plenty we can do. We need to understand that the most important component of this war is the intellectual component. There's no way that the Muslim nations can rise up in a military fight against the United States and say, all go to war against the United States. They would never do that because they would be foolish. We have far greater military power. We have far greater ability to project kinetic power than any Muslim nation, even if they all combined with each other. So instead, the most important component of this war is intellectual. When people talk about the refugees coming, they don't talk about them as though they're harboring the virus of Islam and say, oh, these people are poor, they're harmed, America is a nation of immigrants, we must reach out and help them. Well, I think what we need to do is we need to bring people to America who can help America. Uh, That may seem narrow-minded, but it seems to me we already have enough problems that are difficult to solve without bringing in more. But the problem is, is that you can't find Americans who are willing to discuss this issue because of two reasons. Number one, they know almost nothing about it, but they also know this, that if you speak against Islam, you'll be called a bigot. You'll be called a hater, an Islamophobe. And people, particularly Christians, are kind, decent people. They don't want to be seen as mean-spirited, and so therefore they say nothing, even though in their heart they're troubled. We have become a nation of liars. A friend of mine is uh, Hindu, and, or was Hindu, and he's been living in America for 30 years. He said, Bill, when I came to America, the most astounding thing to me about America was not the wealth, not the cars, not any of these things. What staggered me was that Americans would tell you exactly what they thought. He said, I'm a Hindu. Hindus do not tell you what they think. They tell you what you want to hear. He said, I was startled with the clarity of this. He says, but let me tell you, the great sadness in my heart now, 30 years later, is Americans are becoming Hindus,
4: Hmm.
0: and that's our problem. Why am I such an extraordinary person? Not at all. I'm just an ordinary person. What's extraordinary about me is, is I will tell you what I think, what I actually really think. I don't censor myself. I don't have a private self. What you see here in front of you is what I am when the lights are turned out. So I'm an old-fashioned American. I was raised by my grandmother who always spoke the truth, no matter who it harmed or hurt, and I'm the same way. I don't try to hurt people, but if the truth hurts, I'll tell you. So we have here a crisis, not of Islam. Islam is not the problem. The problem is us, the problem are gutless pastors, gutless rabbis, gutless politicians, gutless teachers, and too many other people who have lost their sense of courage. I criticize the church today by saying it's all compassion without courage. Look, we need courage, we need, we need compassion too, by the way. I've always, I've always had times in my life when I needed a hug and some sympathetic ear, but we have to be courageous. These are the times that try men's souls, These are the times in which we're teetering on the edge of extinction because if you lose to Islam, you get your civilization annihilated. Where is the Christianity of North Africa? It's gone. And with the religion goes an entire new civilization. So we do have a big problem, but the problem is not Islam. The problem is ourselves. We need to arm ourselves with truth, stiffen our spines, and do what we need to do. We need to stand up for our civilization. We have a civilization worth protecting, and we must do so. If we do not do so, who will care for us? Uh,
1: You know, Dr. Warner, that's a good place to end the show. The time has just gone very quickly tonight, but it's been a great show. Thank you for all of your hard work. Thank you for your expertise, and thank you for speaking about these things. We hope that you've enjoyed this show tonight. Stay tuned. We have some more programming ahead. We will see you soon. (laughs) All right. <laughs>